Like it's in. Okay. So you're eating a granola bar. You just pulled a hair out. You just got back from the beach. I'm surprised it's hair and not sand because you got, God knows sand is in every orifice of your body at this point. God knows. Okay. So <laughs> it's between God and your butt. That That's it. <laughs> I prefer to God keep and most things between God and my ass. <laughs> Only two people I trust. <laughs> went to the beach because the kids start school tomorrow. I'm shoving a granola bar in my mouth because I have like that beach manic hunger that isn't real. It's just from being around my kids in, in the water all day. Um, no, that's I, I would actually contend that's very real. I think every parent, I think every person I don't have, I'm not responsible for anybody else's life except for mine at this point in my life. But if I come back from the beach, I want like some greasy like I love a post Beach grease time. I'm trying to lean away from the mic because we got a review that said we could uh, do well using the mute button. Just, no. You're taking this. This is the one part she's taking to heart. Mm. She she was really nice. She likes the show. She's just sick of hearing my mouth noises. And now I'm like bringing her heavy granola bar. <laughs> Hi, I hope you like anyone with misophonia. Please skip forward five minutes. Thank you so much. I'm just going to get. For anyone with I'm misophonia. I'm is the good news. Skip I just through. have to pull things out of my teeth, which shouldn't ideally make sounds. But you hear well, that? Let's give like, a Foley artist of me popping open a bottle of. Pellegrino, here we go. If you any any of you ASMR freaks, here we go. Pellegrino, if you're listening, we're open to a partnership. We don't, I don't want to come on too strong. I'm just saying. Wow, maybe we should bleep the name. Podcasting blackmail. We're gonna bleep the name of your brand until you pay us. I got a story. We'll see I got to call us. I got a, um, <laughs> I got an anecdote for you. Well, dote that anecdote. Let's go. All right, I'm gonna dote it. So. Brianna Posner told me a really good story and I don't know if she's going to let me keep this on the pod, but it's worth it. And, you know, maybe maybe me sit telling her I said it on the pod. Does she want me to edit it out will be the appropriate amount of pressure. I don't know this person's name, so <laughs> odds are I might That's get to keep it. That's such a good point. But she, That's such a good point. So she um, she has a friend of a friend kind of thing that was in an acting class. And you know how when you're in acting class, they do an exercise a bunch of the time where they're like... We're going to go around the room and you're each going to do a no- like a weird, a wacky noise and say your name or a wacky pose and say your name. You're going to, do you know what I mean? Where you're like <laughs> Quinn and you do like, and you're like, and then you do like a, something wild with your body. It's to make you feel loose. It's supposed to be silly. It's supposed to be embarrassing because you're loosening up. Yeah, it gets you out of your and comfort zone and everybody yes ands you. Right. Yeah. And everybody then says Quinn and does like the wacky pose that I just did. And then it's Carrie's turn. She's like, Carrie. And then she does a strain. <laughs> so <laughs> Brianna has a friend of a friend that's in a class. And this guy, the teacher says, so do uh, a wacky movement. Do a movement that you have never done before. So the idea would be something your body, something that is foreign in your body that brings you out of your head and into your body space. Don't for don't sure. plan okay. it too hard. Just let something no. wild like loose. Like you're like doing like a weird pointy finger Elaine kind of dance. We'll say vibe. this guy's name is John. It's not, but jo- this John guy goes, okay, and it's his turn. And he goes, John, and he does a perfect pirouette. Now, first of all, 
he, he's obviously done a pirouette before. But second of all, it's supposed to be repeatable so that the whole class can then do whatever you just did. So she said, John, that's mm-hmm. a beautiful pirouette, but it seems like maybe you've done it before. Try to do something you've never done before. He goes, okay, John. And then he tries for a backflip on the spot because he's never done that before. <laughs> falls on his face and breaks his nose. <laughs> So he's just bleeding, just like profusely bleeding. But what I love is he was, the whole class was supposed to be like, John, and like, what are they going to do? Biff a backflip and everyone's got a broken nose? It's just the well, best you have image. To do exactly what he does. Everybody has to face plant from a backflip. That is, you know, acting class is such a funny, funny thing. It's, um, okay, let me think if I can find an analogy that is appropriate for it, which is to say, I think an acting class is going to your pathological friend of a friend acquaintance in middle school's house. And they've amped themselves up. They've amped, they've lied about their lives. And at this point, they are really white knuckling the truth or their truth. And going to an acting class is like being forced to sit at that friend's house and wait for your mom to pick you up. Do you think that's inaccurate? <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautifully written. It should be in the books. It should be in the history oh books. God. I'm so proud of you. Wait, I thank you. Um, okay, so just so you know where I came from, mm. I came from my last sunset in Edinburgh. I went to a place called Calton Hill, and they had a beautiful little picnic with some cheese and wine, and it was so delightful and wonderful. And we actually go to Lisboa. We go to Lisbon tomorrow, which I'm really Fabulous. excited about. Although one of our dearest readers uh, messaged us on uh, or messaged me on Instagram and was like. Don't go to Lisboa. Don't go to Lisbon. Whoa. I almost got, or no, she was like, don't go to Portugal. What did she say? I have to find it. Hold on. Also, I have to give a shout out to who, um, to our incredible new um, expert horse girl. Did you hear? Did you see that? We got an email from someone that was like, I'm stoned right now. And I just want to tell you that I am your horse girl expert. And I said, deal. I said, fucking deal. We do need that. We have been looking um, for anyone with extra Lisa Frank stamps or stickers. That's our thing. Um, okay, so someone I, said, ah, don't go. It's it's a crisis. Okay, this, I said, heading to Portugal for um, next week. Hit me with those wrecks. And I got a message from Adrian, um, who is a listener, so I want to give you a shout out. But she wrote, ah, don't go. It is crime of a lifetime fuel. I got groped by an old man and nearly had my purse stolen twice. Otherwise, Lisbon was solid as well as Quambra. Less into Porto overall. Drink lots of vino verde. You know what, Adrian? Uh, that took me on a roller coaster, and I got to tell you, I'm going to Lisbon, and I'm really excited, and I got to respond to you. But I'm very excited. She's gonna drink heavily, regardless. So don't worry about that. I'm gonna drink heavily, regardless. I'm sorry you got groped by a piece of shit, and I'm sorry you almost got robbed. That sounds really shitty, but I'm glad Lisboa, Lisbon was good, and I can't wait to go to Lisbon. That's where I'm going. Um, ugh, I'm so jealous. Um, all right, I'm gonna get my jealousy under. I'm going to try to not do a backflip and break my nose over how jealous I am. And let's... Well, can we first say, hey, everyone, please welcome to Truly Darkly Creepy. I'm Quinlan Posner. And I'm Carrie Ipema. And And the first person that we'd like to thank today is Krista K. Krista K, Krista K, is it C-H or I-K? Is your first initial C or K? I don't really know because it's your K. name is not it's in K. front of me. That makes her a KK. We all now have, know how you feel about KKs. 
I love gay as an initial and a friend, and you're gonna be a good one on Patreon. Ooh, sorry, KK. That was, um, we're gonna work harder on the next one. Sorry, Krista, that was um, tough. And your name that is was Krista. Tough. We get it. We know, we know, we know. This is for Rachel G. G, Rachel, I'm thinking about you. G, Rachel, I feel really lucky that you're my friend. My friend till the end, at least when it comes to money. Do we sound like materialistic assholes when we well, just thank giving, people are, who give us money? They're giving us money to do the show. So I just want to, I kind of want to be like, listen, if you want a song, like, just give us one fact about your life. Like, if you join Patreon, Maybe that's like a level up where it's like at, at seven, it's whatever. I will, or listen, which one is more valuable to you? Because then the okay. other one will do. Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. If you're joining Patreon at a level of $5 or higher, we are going to sing you a song. If you would like when you join to send us a message, which is your prerogative through Patreon. Totally prerogative. Anyone yes. can send yes. us a message at any time. That's part of the beauty of being on Patreon. If you send me a message that says my name is Megan S. And my favorite thing is umbrellas you're gonna get a song that's like megan s you are my umbrella ella ella my i mean that's May- copyrighted megan. that's that is copyrighted so, oh. so quinn what quinn would say we'd make up an original song i think is what quinn is saying about yeah. that right is did i did i take the words out of your mouth quinn i think what quinn um, is saying we're not going to plagiarize whoever wrote umbrellas as sure sung by rihanna but we, we will sing take a song backs. about an, an interest of yours um, so next up is Megan S. <laughs> <laughs> Megan S. hates umbrellas. Megan S. hates umbrellas. She doesn't like to get protected from the rain. She likes it all over her because it's a rainy day in hell for you killers. Ooh, really good. I like that you finally took us somewhere we belong. Thank you. Up, I, I lift us up where we belong. That's what I do. Lorena, 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 you're not a pain. Lorena, I don't know your last name. You didn't include it. Is it Bobbit? Um, and so who's our next? Who's our next? Uh, oh, that was it. That was that was who was Lorena. that? Was that Lorena? Okay, Lorena. I don't of know if I caught. I don't know if I caught the name. That's why I was asking. I wasn't sure if. If you had said the name, but of course you did. You know, we're like 0 for 2 here, 0 for 4. <laughs> um, I, you I know think what? we. These are great. These are great. Oh, These are really great. Good. Great. All right. I'm glad you feel that way. Um, somebody left a review that said um, that their dog is scared of you and that it reacts when you snort when you laugh. Did I tell you that? I just about died because that's me, right? <laughs> I'm the snorter, and somebody thinks you're the snorter. You know what? Nobody knows the difference between us, and I think that's kind of fun. I think oh, that's you- fun. I would love to send a survey out to our Patreon and say, who's who? No cheating. No looking at our Instagram. Who's who? I don't think anybody could do it. I mean... I think people could do it. I think it'd be 50-50. The major fans know who's who. I need a major fan. Oh, my air conditioning's on. It, sorry, it has to be on. You guys, it's 96 degrees. So it has I to was, be on. I apologize. Quinn, I totally understand your pain. I was a little chilly in my sweatshirt outside last night. So like I understand Stop. tough temperatures. You. That sounds I'll kill you. That sounds hard. You I'll can't you can't you gotta find me. If you wanna kill me, you gotta come to Portugal. Um I do uh kind of we should it. get started. 
Okay, I think I go first, right? Yes. Okay, I'm going to go first. Actually, and yes. here's what, Yeah. Here's what's important is I, these are some, these are some Edinburgh themed. Oh, that'll be fun. Let's do it. Excuse me. These are some Edinburgh themed um, stories and where they come from is yesterday I actually went to a museum and I did a city of ghosts walking tour or city of the dead. It was like a city of the dead walking tour. That is what I fucking live for. It was incredible. Um, It was really, really fun. And of course, like I have a bunch of stories, but I'm only going to share a couple. This first story actually had a little bit to do with the uh, ghost tour because we went to a very famous cemetery where some of the story happens or not really. It's just sort of like a secondary. Why did I preface it with this, you know, walking tour? That's for next week. But let's move on. What's important is in Edinburgh, there is also a place called Surgeon's Hall Museum. When you were here, did you go to it? No, I don't think so. Quinn? Unless there's lots of coats of armor, which I did feel like I saw a lot of. That happens a lot all over these places. There's a lot of coats of armor. There's this place called the Surgeon's Hall Museum in Edinburgh. But what's significant about this place is that it essentially made Edinburgh the center of anatomical studies in Europe. So they have every organ every person, every body part in formaldehyde on display at this museum. Sounds like it could be like a speakeasy. It is. Okay, name a body part. Name any body part. I saw it in formaldehyde. Uh, An ear. Saw it. Saw it with gangrene. Saw it with an infection. (laughs) Saw it with like, like literally there's a, there's a whole place called like. disembodied too. It's disembodied. There was tattoos that were cut off and put in formaldehyde there were whole hands there were skulls there were fetuses it's, so it's the body's skeletons. exhibit i mean it's the body's exhibit but even more so because it's all from like the personal collection of all these people and so they had this like okay like just giving examples because it was so it was just absolutely bonkers um they had this part there was they had this section that kind of went through each of the wars and i think there was um something in the late 1800s, maybe early 1800s. I don't know what I know. It was from the 1800s. And you see a skull that has a full-on hole cut out mm-hmm. of the top. And they f- they were like, this was a guy who got hit by a cannonball and he survived into old age, just having a full-on hole in his skull. There was another guy who... And then you've got like eight. Brittany Murphy dying of pneumonia. It's just like it is, anything can wipe you out. But a lot of people. It is insane. It was insane. There was another guy where they did a cast of his face and the bottom part of his face had been blown off. This had to be, I think, the First World War. And they fitted him with essentially like a fake jaw made out of iron that they painted the color of his skin and they put a mustache that matched his and it basically created his face whole again. But what's incredible about this museum, again, is it's it's been around since the 1800s. I mean, it's been around since I'm trying. Oh, my God. Did I not write down the date of this? Oh, I would love it, it if you wrote down uh, nothing and you just did this based on memory. I know. Could you imagine <laughs> um, this? I mean, so this is this story takes place around 1828. Um, 
And I got this from Wikipedia Britannica, University of Edinburgh, my own research at the Surgeon's Hall Museum, um, as well as the City of Ghosts or the City of the Dead ghost tour in Edinburgh. So, like I said, Edinburgh was the center of anatomical studies in Europe. People flocked to it. Um, the school helped advanced medicine pretty greatly, right? So they were able to dissect cadavers and find out what the inside of a body looks like, which is, of course, as a doctor is incredibly informative because, you know, before we were going with like the four humors, you know, black bile, yellow bile, like just weird shit. Those are called the four humors and it's just a rainbow collection of bile. Quinn, that is a lie. I don't know why I said it. I don't know if that's accurate. Let's move on. They didn't talk about that because here it was all science. It was all fact. Quinn, it was insane. I'm trying to think of like the weirdest thing that I saw. Okay, I'll tell you. The weirdest thing I saw was like a vagina. Just like a fully. Oh God, I don't like that. No. It was wild. Like it was I don't so... like vaginas that are out there on their own. I want them. They should be. A... To have I would a... actually argue most body parts that I saw should be attached to a body. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not just vaginas. I think that's like like a foot. Like I saw a lot of severed feet. Like I saw like Ed a Dean. lot of severed hands. Like remember, like, eyes. Ed Gein that used to make, um, like, he had, like, eyeball curtains or, like, vagina, I don't know, ashtrays. He had, like, oh his whole house was filled with, remember? That's horrifying. That's what that it reminds me I of. can't deal with. This is at least under the guise of medical study. But it's, like, the amount of people that just have skulls in their home collections. Like, what the fuck? It was wild. It was wild. It was an, it, but it is an incredible museum. Um And because of the work that was done on cadavers, you know, we have a lot of information now, right? Like doctors all need cadavers to work on. Mm -hmm. Um, So, of course, part of their research and study was to dissect and study cadavers. But at this point, at this moment in the 1800s, in the early 1800s, in Scotland, the Scottish law was that cadavers had to be from prisoners who died, Mm -hmm. suicide victims, foundlings, and orphans. That was it. No influencers, even. I would be like. No influencers. But, like, you couldn't donate your body. Um, It had to be from this group of people. Okay. So this, obviously, I mean, of course, you're going to try to find those. You're going to try to source those um, from your community. But it's just not enough. In fact, there were lecturers that um, apparently this guy, Robert Knox, who, like, used a body and dissected it every class. And so he, it was like what he was known for. And he loved having cadavers so that he could show his students what the insides of a body looks like, right? And ideally, like, it the fresher like the body, the better. It feels like they should limit you. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's a professor that's, like, using one a class. I would be like, these aren't that chill to come by. Like, can you limit know, yourself? but at the same time, his lectures were, like, people were flocking to them. So, like, okay. very again, popular. it's like a supply-demand. It's very popular. So... Because there is constantly a need for bodies and ideally fresh ones, this creates this creates a black market for body snatchers. Now, to be clear, it's not an easy job, right? You have to know how to read, which at the time not everybody does, um, because you have to sort of scour the papers for obituaries. You have to go to funerals. You you then go to the grave. You steal the bodies. And what's interesting is these men were actually called the resurrection men. And they were also very careful that they only took the bodies from the coffins. And the reason they only took the bodies from the coffins is because to steal possessions from that coffin is a capital offense. You can be put to death for stealing possessions. However, 
the body belonged to no one. So it doesn't count as stealing possessions and it is only punishable by exile. People essentially got kicked out of the city. All right. I mean, exile doesn't sound great, to be fair, but it seems like if you're stealing um, bodies, you probably don't have than dead. a ton going on. Way less than execution. Yeah, like I steal someone's notebook and I get executed and I steal their body and it's like, mm, you should leave. Good luck. I mean, yeah. Wild. So at this point, there was a lot of grave robber, grave robbery happening and um, guards were installed and... Um, also people started being people started worrying about being taken from their graves right because at this point it's a holy thing it's a holy um right and getting buried is a way to guarantee that you go to heaven and and i think when people's bodies are stirred it question they question that right there's there's right. a belief there so people started putting vaults or cages around their tombstones so that nobody could get in and it would prevent stealing if you bring them a body in the summer it's about eight pounds which is possibly up to six months of wages for some people at this time. Um, whereas in the winter, you get 10 pounds per body. And the reason is because summer, it decomposes quicker, whereas winter, it stays colder longer if they're fresher. Okay, okay. so I want to introduce you to our first character. His name is William Hare. William Hare, at the time, he owns a little lodging house, which is like a cute little place for travelers. And when I say cute, I mean, I don't think it's a nice place. It's catering to some pretty seedy characters, travelers, people who are on the road. Um, and Dave William and William Harris just hanging out, selling rooms, renting rooms out. And one night, one of his lodgers dies. Mm-hmm. And what's significant about this lodger is that unfortunately he died having owed William Hare about four pounds in back rent. So, William Hare has lost this guy. He's definitely not getting his money back now. And so he's thinking, like, what do I do with this body? What do I do? And he contacts his friend, William Burke. And William Burke has this idea. William Burke says, listen, I know this guy at the Surgeon's Hall. Um, His name is Robert Knox. He's a Scottish anatomist, and he loves lecturing with dead bodies. But here's the deal. I have a feeling if we bring him a body, not, not telling him where we found it, he'll give us a bunch of money for it. So William Hare goes, I mean, all right, sure. I could use this four pound back as long as it pays me back my debt. Let's go. They go to the hall. And what's insignificant about Edinburgh is you can sort of travel in vaults underground. So it's very easy to transport a body. But he was also putting a body in like a tea box or whatever, or a tea, um, a tea box. It almost was like, although that seems really small, but I think it was like a big box, a tea chest to transfer bodies. He gets it over to Robert Knox. And Robert Knox gives him seven pounds, 10 shillings for the body. And afterwards he says, hey, listen, I would be very happy to see you again if you had another one of these to dispose of. Now, again, seven pounds, 10 shillings, not only does it pay him back his debt that he was owed, they also split the profits and it's a pretty great gig, right? It's Mm -hmm. like they had a body, here it was, they got a bunch of money. So two months later, um, William Hare is still running his lodging house and all of a sudden he has a guest who comes down with the flu. He has a really bad fever. And so William Hare is going, this could be really good. This could be really good. But also this guy's not dying. And also this actually could be really bad because people can see my lodging establishment, see the sick guy, and they're not going to want to rent from me. So you know what? Two birds, one stone. He calls his old friend, William Burke, and they come over 
and he kills him. They yeah. smother him. Yeah. In fact, they actually will refer to this thing as what they do as a burking, which is essentially a William Burke um, specialty. What he would do is if the person was not sick, not weak, what he would do is he would serve them a bunch of liquor. He'd get them really drunk, really fucked up. And then what he would do is he would get into a place where they were vulnerable. He'd sit on their chest and he'd put his two fingers up their nose and he'd hold down their chin with his thumb. Now, what was significant about this and what was really useful in this situation is that by them sitting on their chest and Burke was like a bigger dude by sitting on their chest, they were not able to breathe. They were not able to scream. And in in addition, by putting his fingers up their nose and his thumb on his chin, it's like a backward shocker. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. That was I'm only going to apologize once. That was me snorting. Okay. That was funny. Okay. So anyway, so puts on a chin. The only evidence is they have a bruise on the bottom of their chin and Mm. their eyes do not get bloodshot. They don't burst blood vessels this way. So again, it's really hard to determine how the person died, especially with the information that they have at this time. Mm. Right. So the bodies look legit, but they are not. So of course... He kills this guy and they bring him over to um, Robert Knox and he gives them another seven pound, 10 shillings. And this became their MO. They became essentially serial killers. They would go to these taverns and they'd find travelers or someone who didn't have anyone looking for them. He'd get them drunk and then he'd burk them. He'd go burk all on them. He would sit on their chest. He would kill them. Over 10 months this happens. And people say that these two men along as with the accomplice, with the help of their wives, Oof. which again okay. has never been technically proven, but it's most historians would agree that their wives were in on it and would mm-hmm. help, you know, grab the other, or run and get them, or find, you know, sort of marks, if you will. In the 10 months that they were together, people believe they killed about 16 people. However, some believe it was way more than that. Um, And, you know, I think towards the end of their 10-month killing spree, Hare got a little cavalier at one point. Like, he loaded a cart with two bodies, and he wanted his horse to go deliver it to this museum. I keep saying museum. That's because I was there. He wanted to deliver it to this this building where the surgeons or the surgeon hall. That would become a museum years later. Which will become a museum years (laughs) later that I will visit. Um, And the horse wouldn't go, so he had to call like a little messenger with a cart to carry two boxes of bodies to this person to Robert Knox. And Hare was so pissed that he shot his horse. Unfortunately, (sighs) he could not sell that horse's body to the surgeons. I don't think they were interested in it. So there were fights about money between these two guys. Like I, I, you know, as much as these guys were in cahoots, it feels like they were also out to get their own and that doesn't really work well. But what really stopped them in their tracks was the last person they tried to get. They tried to hit get someone who was better than them. Um, unfortunately, she did not make it, so I don't want to get your hopes up, but um, they picked the wrong victim. They had this little old lady. Her name was Margaret Doherty, and she's like a plucky Irish lady. And mm-hmm. what they do is they meet her at a bar. They booze her the fuck up. They get her really drunk, really pissed, and they bring her back to the place, and they're about to burk her. And she starts fighting back. 
She mm-hmm. goes ham on them. And at this point, they have to fight her. They have to hit her over the head. And now her body does not look like she died peacefully. She now her body just looks like chin she's been murdered. Exactly. Yeah. And so they don't know what to do with her body. So they stuff her underneath a straw bed. But that doesn't work because, of course, people start looking for her. Someone is like, yeah, I tried to go get my stockings in that room, but they wouldn't let me in. Um, they try to move the body. The police come. They find evidence of her. And at this point, they have to really investigate. They know it's these guys, but they don't have a ton of evidence against them. So what happens is, is they end up flipping hair, William Hare, one of the guys, to give information on his accomplice, William Burke. So William Hare tells them everything. He tells them all of the victims. He tells them how they did it. He tells them why they did it. Um, They tried to implicate Dr. Knox, Dr. Robert Knox in all of this, but he didn't break any laws. He didn't know how these bodies were arriving and he thought they were legit. So from plausible deniability, he got off completely. Of course, the fact that he has a ton of money, I'm sure has a bit to do with it. Mm. However, in the court of public opinion, they didn't let him off the hook and his medical career was destroyed after this. But William Hare turned King's witness and he testified against William Burke. William Burke was found guilty of one murder and he was sentenced to death. However, when his wife, who they tried to, who they tried to try, I love that. They tried to try her. Yeah. They tried to try her, but there wasn't enough evidence. So she got off as well. Burke's punishment was he was to be publicly hanged. And poetically, he was also meant to be donated to the museum with which he once serviced. So we love a political, we love a little, it's a little poetic. I mean, it's dark, but it's poetic. So. What's here's what's interesting. I went to this museum. Okay, wait, let me backtrack because I do want to say just how when he died. He was hanged on January 28th in 1829. And at his execution, 25,000 people gathered to watch his execution. People paid money to go in apartments that were nearby so they could have a better view from the window. Um, And what's crazy about this is that there were like 60,000 people in Edinburgh. So like a full almost half of the population came out to see him, this guy hanged. Um, mm. So like I said, his body was sent to the Royal College of Surgeons and he was dissected publicly. Oh. And what's crazy about it is there was such an uproar because there were only a limited amount of tickets to his, to his dissection. There was a little riot <laughs> that broke out. And so calm was only restored when the university agreed with the crowd and they said okay they will pass people through the theater in batches of 50 and apparently from what i understand is they also dissected him over and over and over and over again Um, just like sewed him back up and redid it yes sewed him back up and redid it did they find anything crazy like was his heart black or was like voldemort in there or something no none of that ever came out but what is interesting is like they're dark back then i've talked about this before i've said it once i'll say it before it is dark back in these times one of the guys who was doing this lecture or this dissection publicly one of the educators um dipped his quill pen into burke's blood And he writes, this is written with the blood of William Burke, who was hanged at Edinburgh. The blood, this blood, this blood was taken from his head. Here's what's crazy, Quinn. I got to tell you. I saw his skeleton at the (gasps) museum. It's still up there. 
I also saw his death mask. So what they did is after he was hanged, after he was hung, I think it was after he was hanged, right? I think it's hanged. Yeah, after he was hanged, they took a death mask of him. So it's like this wax figure and you can see where the rope is on his neck. And by the way, you're not allowed to take any pictures in this place. So I have no pictures of any of the things I saw. You're just going to have to take my word for it. And what's crazy is next to his body or next to this death mask, there is a little notebook that is made from his skin. It is Ed Gein. That is it's so Ed gross. Gein. It's also the guy I did in the Wild Wild West, right? That yes. guy, they like, yes. Um, but it's, and on the back it says, this is the skin of William. He was executed on January 28th, 1829. Um, and there's a Lisa Frank sticker on it. Apparently there were also people that did want to take, uh, there was a Lisa Frank sticker. It was weird. It got ruined, but I thought it was actually pretty cute. Um, What's also crazy, apparently people who worked on his body each took little bits of skin as sort of like tokens. Oh, God, gag me. But his skeleton is still on display, on display, on display, each and every day, <laughs> every, day, every, every, day, day. every day. I couldn't do um, Umbrella and you get to do, all right. I don't think Melissa, Melissa Gorga actually might be more litigious, but I stand by what I did. <laughs> she um, needs to be. If this was crime of a lifetime, they would have to buy that, which makes me laugh very hard. Um, <laughs> Go to Melissa Gorga to buy that. That's so good. We should have sang a lot of more Housewives when we were on that show. I think I show. should have sang way more Housewives. I think it would have been lost on Tanner, unfortunately. But um, yeah. I will say this. So um, William Hare, um, of course, the public did not take kindly to him. And they showed up at his front door and he was ushered out by police for his own safety. And he was basically just like brought to a town in England and that was the last anyone heard of, of him wow. no one knows what went on what where he went in his life and I assume of course he changed his name I don't think he'd want to go around being like you got to hear what I've been up to um the same went for his wife and William Burke's wife they were never heard from again I'm sure they went off they changed their names they have a new life and I'm sure they're a distant relative of mine of some sorts um but what is significant about this case is it really Again, it was super noteworthy, and it actually helped build the Anatomy Act of 1832, um, which was, you know, three and a half, four years after this happened, which allowed doctors, teachers, and students to dissect donated bodies, which changed the qualification so people could donate their bodies, which hopefully drove less um, less interest in body snatching and these resurrection men and created less of a black market when they allowed people to have access to bodies that were donated. Wow. Anyway, I just had to tell you the story of William Burke and William Hare, body snatchers, serial killers. Well, they're not body snatchers. They're serial killers from the 1800s in Edinburgh. And honestly, because of them, I think we probably know a little bit more about medicine. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> hey. What a from, story. From my house to yours. Thanks. I'll do my old-timey one since you did your old-timey one. Um, just old-timey feels like the vibe. Um, I got my information um, about Dolly Ostrich from uh, All That's Interesting, Wikipedia, we love Milwaukee Magazine, Atlas Obscura, um, LA History, and a really good article in LA Times by Cecilia Rasmussen. This is 1922. Where our story begins, or should begin, if we wanted it to begin with the action, is that the police get called to go to a home in Silver Lake, Los Angeles, because people have heard gunshots and screaming. 
They arrive and they find a man laying dead in the living room and he's been shot in the back of the head. And again, they're hearing these screams. And so they, it sounds like it's coming from a closet. They go to the closet and open it. And this dude's wife, Dolly, is in the closet. And she's like crying, being like, oh my God, we were robbed. And they're like, yeah, I mean, it looks like you were. There's an open window. Um, She says her husband's missing this like diamond studded wristwatch. So they're like, seems like you could be telling the truth. She's not. Let's go back <laughs> in that time. That such a quick turn. Yeah, I know. But, you know, we don't have time for nonsense today. <laughs> Let's go back to your time, like the 1880s. The old, that's as far back as we'll go. That's when Dolly was growing up. She's born. She's poor. She's on a Midwestern she's farm born. in Milwaukee. That's noteworthy. That is noteworthy born that poor. she was born. Yes, she is born. Um, You know, her folks are German immigrants and uh, they basically she's popular. She's like kind of charismatic and fun. um, And she ends up meeting a guy that's much older than her. I think she's 12 and it's the her her dad works at a textile mill and she gets in touch with. Yeah, and oh, no. I think she works there, like maybe. That. Maybe she works there, too. I can't so remember. child labor, you know, older to younger people. It was a different time. Okay, yeah. I think we can all agree it was a very different time. And she's like, a there. it's a family of immigrants, so they're like, let's all get some jobs. You're 12, go work at the textile factory. And right. she's so fun and cute that, like, the older guy's like, you seem great. You let's seem cute and older. Let's, let's always hang out. And then they do get married. And she's 17 when they get married. Um, and everybody at the factory still, she doesn't have to work at the factory anymore because now she married money, but like everybody at the factory loves her still. Like she's really popular. I feel like that vibe of she'll come dressed up and be like, hi everyone. And everyone's like, Dolly's here. Fred, as the marriage continues, is a major booze hound. So I think that she is, and she's younger. So I think it's a vibe of, I want fun and excitement this guy's not totally cutting it so there's lots of rumors that she's having affairs um while he's at work right and in 1913 we know of one such affair where dolly who's now in her mid-20s calls her husband and is like hey my sewing machine's broken and he's like that's cool send one of the guys here to come fix it and he sends this guy Otto Sonhuber, who is 17, 10 years younger than her, to come fix the machine. And he's like oh, sh- a shy he guy, but he's like... fix the machine. I bet he did way more. I bet he fixes her machine. Well, I think that she's like, you have to fix my machine. And he's Ooh. like, then why are you taking your clothes off? She opens the door to him in like a just a robe. And like a lot of perfume. And, and it's this like, is like, Hello. wait, and wait, what year is this? 1913. You don't answer the door that in your fucking robe. The Titanic has just sunk. Give it a minute. Give, Give it the a Titanic minute. some space. It is. I would say that's too soon from Titanic <laughs> perspective. Too soon. Too Agree. Soon, and everything should be from that perspective. But Dolly I and agree Otto, more. they're going to have 
some fun times. And at first, she's like, this guy's great. He's 10 years younger than me. I love um, sexy time. Let's meet at hotels. Um, <laughs> this is great. Then, I love sexy time. I'm sure she said that in 1913. She did, I, for sure. Is that a direct quote? Okay, so cool. direct. I read it in a ton of articles that were published then <laughs> as well. Um, she's like, come over. We can have sex at my house. But it's... it's uh, the neighbors are like that guy that you keep saying is is a half brother of yours that keeps showing up when your husband's at work like people are noticing so she's like this is gonna get us in trouble but i certainly don't want to stop i have the best idea ever i can hide you in the attic the only thing is you have to legit live in the attic (laughs) he's like really i have to live in the attic And she's like, yeah. So he's like, I have to live in the attic. She's like, you have to live in the attic. And here's the thing. You're not going to have any friends or like get to go out or be around anybody. But I am going to have sex with you when my husband's at work. And he's like, okay. She's like, good deal. So is he he like, like, okay? Or do we not know? Yes. He decides that it's worth it. You know what? He's 17. So like sex is everything. Legit. Like he hasn't lived a life. He's like, this is pretty good. I don't have to have a job even. Like I just hide all the time. So he's living he's in the basically attic. High, sexy hide and seek. Always fun. And fun for him. people wrote about it and were like, this is gross to say, but she was kind of like his mother too. Like it had a vibe of he'd come down, they'd have a sandwich. They'd like do housework together. They'd have sex and he'd go back up. It's not that different, actually, for most marriages, frankly. Just that he lives in the attic. So he has a cot. (laughs) God, I wish wish we had an attic. Matt has a cot. So (laughs) Otto has a cot, a desk, and he just, like, reads books at night that Dolly brings him from the library. And he's, I guess, happy-ish. Um... Mm, okay. She'll buy him some uh, magazines, some Pulp Fiction magazines. Um, I don't know. All right. So yeah. by 1918, it's been five years. <laughs> Even you're not convinced. You start, you yeah. just tried to sell it. I know. I know. This is Pulp Fiction magazine. Someone out in the world, don't take Quinn's word for it because Quinn didn't know this guy, but someone out in the world said he kind of liked it. That's all we know. That's all we know. That was good enough for me. And that was good enough for Quinn to go, this is fact. This is exactly how he felt. So (laughs) 1918, he's been there five years um, feeling his feelings. And he even started publishing. Like, he's up there reading and writing. He started publishing stuff. Like, he's using a a different name. But, I mean, he's having, like, a reportedly sounds like an okay time. Meanwhile, her husband is like, am I going crazy? Cause he's hearing bumps in the night. Right. Like, yeah, I don't know why and he never he doesn't went know up if and it's checked. his wife. He doesn't know if it's a ghost or his wife. It's the age old question. Is that a ghost or is that my wife fucking her prisoner? And it's right. like, you know, it's so you never close know. and you never know which it's going to be. And, and nine times out of 10, it's the ghost. But the one time the out time of 10, it's the sex prisoner. It's you the never, sex prisoner that he you does call expect. himself her sex slave. It's funny you say that when Otto later describes this relationship, he was like, I was sort of just her sex slave. Now they're going to run into a, what seems, what sounds like it would be an insurmountable problem, which is that Dolly and Fred are going to move from Milwaukee to LA. But then Dolly's Ooh. like, here's the thing. I think we really need to get a house with an attic. That's like my must have. And he's like, 
Oh, why? Okay. An auto is like, should I really go with you to live in an attic far, far away? Or should I join the army? Because I'm thinking I maybe need like a life or something. And she's like, no, you're coming. Sunlight might be helpful at this moment. No. So she sends him even ahead of time once they bought the house before they get there. So he moves in, I think, before they do into the attic. And he's already situated when they get there. He's now 22. And again, he's just like reading his murder mysteries at night, uh, writing and being a sex slave until one night. There's this big fight between Dolly and her husband. Now, her husband has been like progressively drinking more and it's makes auto nervous it sounds like it could get violent and maybe Mm. it was about to get violent no one will ever really know um but as the fight intensifies and gets scarier from where he is he's come to he's now been with dolly for five six years so he runs down no wait five six oh my god wait five he's been with her for like nine years (laughs) It's crazy. So he's Time fully flies in love with when her. You're reading Pulp Fiction, though, it, it goes in the by attic, what, of course. What is nine years in the attic feels like five years in the real world. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> they do say that. So he runs downstairs and starts yelling at the guy. And f- imagine Fred is like in the middle of this fight with his wife, and this guy that he hasn't seen in a decade that used to work for him shows up with a gun. He has these 25 caliber guns and they start struggling and having this fight with each other then because I imagine Fred is like, where the fuck did you come from? In the end, he shoots him. So he now doesn't know what to do because he's shot the husband. He and Dolly are standing there. What are we going to do? And he's like, I know what we need to do. And he puts Dolly in a closet and he locks the door with a key from the outside and throws a key on the ground and is like, give me a minute to get back up to the attic. He goes up. She starts screaming. The neighbors have now heard gunshots. They're hearing screams. They call the police. And when the police come, they're baffled. I mean, it fits very well that it's a burglar because I guess they don't look in the attic. So what they see is somebody locked in the closet, couldn't have shot him. Her alibi is right there. And so they're like, I don't, and he was shot with a 25 caliber gun, which is a very small caliber. People generally consider that a woman's gun. So they're like, why would a robber have that kind of gun? That seems a little weird. And then he's like, they're like, well, do you and your husband ever fight? And I don't know if the neighbors heard fighting or what, but she's like, no, we have never, ever had a fight. And they're like, very and weird like, answer. That's actually, they're like, that's weird. That's, you, you went the wrong way. You went the wrong way. You went yeah. the overcorrecting way and you should have been like, we fight like any normal. If I were 100%. coaching her, you go, we fight like any normal couple does. Like we have disagreements. It's never gone. I mean. And they're like, this guy was really rich. Maybe she married him to get his money or something. But, you know, they're like, or maybe these burglars came and murdered him for his money. Did they take anything? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. They took this diamond studded watch that he had. So that could have been it. Um, They don't know what to do. They can't really they don't have anything on her. So she's fine. She goes and moves into another house with an attic. 
You heard me okay. right. Okay. Wait, but he Karen, can't get down. There's like no he's, husband. There's no husband. That is she wild. No, keeps I, him in Quinn, the attic. Quinn, you didn't have to explain that to me. I heard it, and I said, I "Oh God, she has some boundary stuff. She's got boundary stuff." Well, I also wondered if it was a sex thing for them, where it was like a dom and a sub kind of thing, where it's mm-hmm. like you got to be in the attic because it's sexy that way. Um, I don't know. I don't know. She gets him a typewriter, so that's good. I mean, I think he might have earned the so money for the typewriter. <laughs> no, I'm trying to find the... It doesn't go great from here. I mean, if, you know, once once I think the... Um, once the Fred is out of the way and you can have free access to Otto, the whole thing gets less sexy. So she starts having an affair with um, her oh, estate God. attorney, this guy Herman Shapiro, and she does the weirdest fucking thing. Dolly, I can't get in your head to understand this move. Does she tell so him? So she's having an affair with him. Weirder. She gives him the diamond watch. And he's like, I'm in charge of your estate. Like, I, I, it is my understanding this watch was stolen the night your husband was murdered. And she's like, oh, you know, wouldn't you know it? I found it. I found it under a window seat cushion. It was just under there the whole time. And I didn't think it was a big deal. I didn't want to tell the police because I kind of was like, well, who even cares? What's it matter? Interesting. So. Oh, God, girl. So he's he's because he's an attorney. He has to spend a lot of time in court. And we all know when Fred was at the workshop, Dolly's going to mess around. When Shapiro's in court, Dolly gets bored. And guess what? She takes up with another guy. It is a businessman. Fred is still in the. Fred is still in the attic. Fred is in no, the ground. Fred is in hell. Otto Jill. is in the Otto. attic. Thank you. Sorry. Let me do that again. So Otto is still in the attic. Otto this whole time. Always will be in an attic. That's that's what he does. It's where he's comfortable. Oh my God. Okay. But Dolly just she, won't quit. She's now having this affair with Roy Clum, and she says to him. You're, I got you got to do me a favor. I have like a weird thing where I own this gun and it looks a lot like the gun that killed my husband. And I just am always thinking that if the police ever find it, they're going to be like, maybe it was you. And it like totally, totally was not me. But I'm a lady. I could use a man's assistance. Could you just get rid of this damn gun for me? And he's like, sure. And he goes and throws it in the La Brea tar pits. Can I just say... So, the direct quotes that came from the articles with which you read, really beautiful, really incredible. I can't believe how accurate and time appropriate they are. It's really, wow, this is incredible. Poetry. The tar pits, like, what are those? What's the La Brea tar pits? It's what it sounds like. So imagine like a cartoon where it's like quicksand but tar, like the gun's going to like sink away and be gone. She tells the same story to her neighbor who then takes the second gun because there were two guns at the scene of the crime and buries it in his yard. Now, the issue is she has all these men she's sleeping around with. It's obviously going to go bad sooner or later. And when it does with this guy, Clum, he's like, hey, she asked me to get rid of a gun and I threw it in the tar pits. So it's not it's now been almost a year and two affairs later. And they go find the gun and Dolly gets arrested. Then that that hits the news where they're like, this woman was arrested. We think maybe she's somehow even though she was locked in a damn closet we think she has to do with this her husband's murder the neighbor well, she's a witch picks up the paper and the neighbor says 
I guess I got to call them and let them know I buried one of these damn guns in my yard. So both these guns are all fucked up from being buried and tarred so they can't figure out if they were the guns. They can't they run can't... ballistics on them. There's no way. No, I mean, it's the early 1900s. So they're like, well, whatever. We don't know what to do, but we have a bad feeling about you. Now, things haven't gone bad yet with the attorney. She calls him and says, I need you to do me a weird favor. <laughs> She's got to start doing stuff herself. This lady this is the weirdest keep favor of outsourcing. All. This Get is terrible. For- She's in jail. So she does need a favor, but the favor is pretty fucking weird, which is go to my house. There's a guy sleeping in the attic. Bang on the ceiling with a broom so you don't scare the shit out of him. You know, he needs to know you're coming. But I really need you to just make sure he's okay. Deliver some groceries to him, that kind of thing. Um, And this guy is, you know, sleeping with her. So he's no idiot. I think he figures out probably that something fishy's going on. When he shows up there, Otto is so happy to see him because he hasn't talked to anybody in like 10 years other than Dolly. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Other than committing a murder and talking to Dolly. So he's like, oh, let's chat. I'm having all the only thing I can talk to you about. The only thing I have any knowledge of is carnal knowledge. And it's of Dolly. And that's all. That's my whole subject. That's the only thing I can converse on. So he's just telling him about all the wild sex he's had with Dolly, which you can imagine probably didn't go over great with Shapiro, who's like. I'm having sex with her, too. Yeah. So. What a coincidence. He says, you got to get out of this attic. You got to get the hell out of here. So he's like, oh, okay," And he flees to Canada. Now, Dolly gets released on bail and Shapiro moves in with her. I guess it didn't bother him to find that guy in the attic. I will never understand. I will absolutely never understand. I will never understand the red flag. And, And I'm someone who ignores red flags constantly. You found a man in this woman's attic and who's talking about sleeping with her. And you go, you know what? I'd love to move in with you. I'd love to move in with you. What? I know. I know. Well, things eventually (laughs) sour between them. So they end up breaking up in 1930 and when they break up he go- he goes to the police and he goes you know what there was this guy this wackadoo living in the attic now i told you otto had run to canada but at this point for whatever reason otto had circled back and he was in la so then oh my god he gets arrested the papers start to hear about the circumstances now, right? Because Dolly was under suspicion all that time, but they couldn't really prove anything. Now they have the story, and the story is insane. The story is that there was a man living in an attic for decades as a sex slave that came down one night and murdered her husband. I mean, it is so bonkers. So they issue another warrant for her arrest. She gets charged with charged with conspiracy. He gets charged with murder. And Otto, right away, pretty much says, yes, this is what happened. I don't know what to tell you except that my whole life is just this woman. All I do is love her. All I am is a slave. And when I thought that she was going to be killed, that was my whole life. So I went down and I protected her. And he says, I'll show you everything. I'll take you to the attic I was hiding in. I'll explain it all. The jury is like, it's not... Just because you admit everything doesn't mean we forgive you. Just because you're an idiot 17-year-old that was like, 
I love this Who's woman, and that's my idiot, whole identity. Seven-year-old, Jesus, the amount of years that kid is. Oh God, right. So, what's crazy is they they find him guilty of manslaughter, but the statute of limitations had run up. out. Yeah. So he actually just goes free. But the papers obviously had a field day and they they ended up calling him the Batman, which is so funny because there was no Batman at the time. So he's the Batman. So he's the like original he was a, the Batman. He's the OG he lived in Batman. The attic. <laughs> I mean, he's the OG Wayne Batman. Wayne Bruce could never. Wayne could Bruce could never. never. Um, and he, you know, he did end up recanting everything when they went to trial. I don't think any of it mattered because he'd already said that he'd done everything. And Dolly admits it during the trial. She says, yeah, you know, we tried to make this look like a robbery and I really just didn't want Otto to get in trouble. Um, and I didn't want anybody to know he lived in my attic. And I really did love my husband. Um, I just, this is how I roll. I hide men in my attic for 10 years. <laughs> and the prosecutors were like, this is nuts. And when I got one of the poll quotes I grabbed from the case was uh, he, one of the prosecutors said, if there is any sympathy to be felt in this case, do not waste it on this woman. All your sympathy should be with the dead man who wanted a home and a loving wife and who was shot down in his home when he discovered the lover of his unfaithful wife in his own living room. Wait, do you believe that happened or do you believe that he was drunk yelling at Dolly and I very much Otto believe they down. had this fight. I do believe they had the fight, but... um. He did discover him in the living room. It's true. He didn't discover him in the attic. Um, he never knew. He died not knowing that a man had lived in his attic for a decade. Oh, that's so scary. Just the idea of someone living in your same place. Well, and then Dolly. is them killing you. But yeah. So this. he's off because of statute of limitations. Then Dolly has her trial and it's a hung jury and they just never retry her. <gasps> Wait, so isn't that crazy? Punished? Nobody gets punished. She actually ends up with another guy and she's with him for like 30 years. She dies when she's 75. Um, and yeah, I mean, now I guess the home that they lived in in Milwaukee is gone. And so is the company that her husband owned is gone. And you can still see uh, the grave of Fred. And I guess Dolly did end up having a kid, Raymond. So you can go see their graves. Um, her, her son, I guess, died right before he turned 10, though. Really sad. I don't know that story. Um, but he's in the Holly Trinity Cemetery. The Holly. <laughs> the Holy? Did you just say Holly instead of Holy? Yes, but why? Isn't it fun when you read and then all of a sudden you stop being able to read and you go, oh, interesting word, and your brain stops working? Yeah, it's yeah. really scary. Is that what it's like to get old? I wouldn't know. You're older than me. You tell me. Ouch. Ooh, burn. Ooh, burn. Ooh, burn. At least I have a lover in my attic. <laughs> <laughs> That might, be, that might be the meanest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> well, it's late there. I'm going to let you go. Why? I'm going to let you go find a lover. No. Oh, my gosh. My friends who are here with me were like, hey, should we download Hinge when you're in Lisbon? So scary. Scary. Scary, nope. scary. Don't do it. That's the scariest story of all. Well, yeah. dear readers, we love you. We love you. Thanks for another... Uh, 
another great episode, Carrie. I'll see you <gasps> next week. I'll see you next week. Goodbye. Oh.